Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! You want a podcast? Great. We have some audio on your website that nobody goes to. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Every time I hear gangsters in the show open, I just think there are so many better adjectives or probably more appropriate adjectives <laughs> to describe at least one of the hosts of this fine program. Oh, it's good to be back in the great state of Florida. Monday, March 2nd, 2020, episode 239 of the Anakin Florian podcast. Fresh off a, a plane with three children Oof. this morning. I'm not doing like the, the cross-country L.A. to South Carolina tip that you're doing that might not even be yeah. direct at times. So much respect to, to Team Florian out there flying coast <laughs> to coast. But uh, just nothing easy about the three kids on a plane. I tweeted, I think I'd rather snakes on a plane than have three kids on a plane and have the three <laughs> kids be mine. Dude, I can't even imagine. Uh, that's 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 got to be tough. That's got to be tough, man. Not easy. So thankfully, yeah. Hunter, my son, who's a, a year and a half, was quite good, man. You know. Yeah. Tough kid. I mean, if he gets scared, he's upset, but he's you know pretty right. pretty high pain threshold, <laughs> and I powered through it. So a uh, lot to get to today. It's a pay per view week, so much of, of the next hour will be focused on UFC 248, Adesanya versus Romero, and in terms of the way the middleweight champion pronounces his name. We're going to sit down with him on Thursday, and we're going to get a final answer once and for all. We have his audio file for you today. He's been Adesanya, obviously, as a champion in the UFC. Now I'm hearing him accept awards and say Adesanya. So I'm freaking out here on a Monday at pay-per-view week. A little insight into my brain right now. I mean, Kemflo, what are we doing here with this? And I remember at one point he was like, uh, you pronounce it like Adesanya. Like Adesanya. Uh, and, and now it's all over the place. I don't know, man. Cause sometimes it's like, well, I'm going to say it 
how, you know, my countrymen say it or I'm going to say it how, you know, the native speakers would say it, what my family name is in that country, right. which are two very different things, you know. So, uh, yeah. And Florian's a pretty easy one, right? If he could say your name to tape, Kenny Florian. Florian, yeah. yeah. And then, but in Peru, it would be like Florian. So, I right. mean, how are you going to do uh, you so, know. So, the Dr. Gus, your father, yes. didn't want you to be Florian in the UFC? Florian. Yeah, he's Florian, I guess. Yeah. Right. He Americanized. Well, so when, people say to me, like, oh, is it a neek? I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Right? Like, a lot of people just <laughs> right. don't care. Uh, sure. And I think maybe Adesanya falls into that group. We'll find out, though. But, yeah. yes, I do believe where I've heard it most recently. He's emphasizing that second syllable, Adesanya, mm. and not Adesanya, the third one. So, rest assured, we try very hard to get it right. But, yes. uh a quick thought on the uh, the flyweight title fight before we get to Ray Longo, uh, who will obviously join in on the discussion. So Davison Figueredo misses weight by two and a half pounds. Uh, if you follow Ken Flo on Twitter, as many of you do, uh, he can't see any excuse for the weight miss. Uh, but the fight itself went to Figueredo, TKO of Joseph Benavidez in round two. Figueredo not title eligible. Uh, for that vacant belt because he missed the championship weight. So we are where we were last Monday. The flyweight title in the UFC is still vacant. I've talked about this before. And, you know, when a guy doesn't make a weight uh, and he's a pound and a half or two pounds or whatever it is, you think, well, that's just, a, you know, a pound away. What's the big deal? People don't cut that weight because it's not just a pound. It feels like it's 30 pounds away after you've done a big cut. Right, and when right. you make that extra pound, two-pound cut, um, it does a number on your body. It does a number on your brain. Um, physically, spiritually, it can break a lot of guys. That's why they don't make the weight. Um, the fact that he didn't make that weight and kind of went in there – may have saved him a little bit as far as his ability to perform on fight night. That is my big problem with this. This is a guy who is a, a tough fighter. He's already huge for the weight class. He looks right. so much bigger than Benavidez. And, you know, you got to wonder, if he did make that weight, how would that have, have affected his performance on fight night? And, you know, again, granted, you know, we, we've all been around Joe Benavidez. We love the guy and, and we're a little bit biased, but this has nothing to do with whether he's fighting him or anything else. When you have a championship fight, uh, you have to make that weight. There's a reason why you don't get that extra pound allowance. Championship weight is a whole different ball game. You got to hit it. Otherwise, it's a huge advantage. And going down from 127 and a half to 125, to your point, very well could have broken Figueredo spiritually or physically to an extent that would have affected him on fight night. Yeah. I certainly credit the teams when they stop their fighters from cutting weight when they're Right. physically challenged uh, to such a degree that their health is in jeopardy. So I defend the decision, even with championship stakes for the team, but obviously it adds a wrinkle to this whole fight uh, that we would not like to be dealing with here on a Monday. Uh, but let us bring on the great Ray Longo into the conversation. Let's get to the Ray Longo Minute. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I'm going to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Ray, always good to have you, my man, and we don't take your appearances lightly. Uh, you've been with Ken Flo when he was in the trenches through some of these 
these terrible, treacherous weight cuts. You've documented some of, of those interactions that Ken Flo barely remembers. Uh, what were your thoughts when you heard the news on Friday that Davis and Figueredo not not only miss weight for the championship fights, but uh, fight I should say, but by a, a full two and a hook there? Yeah, I'll tell you what. I mean, I agree with Kenny 120% what he was just saying. I mean, it's uh, it's a big advantage. You know, these guys aren't 300 pounds. They're, they're 125. So that, that three pounds is way harder to do than if you're 170 pounds. You know what I mean? It's proportionally harder. Uh, and I agree also with you, with the team, uh, you know, making a decision. Look, the health, health and safety has to come first. But with that... You can't be gloating about the victory either. You can say after the victory, look, I'm happy he's healthy, he won the fight, but that's it. Don't walk around saying you're the right. champion because you're really not the champion. And you're the champion of 128 if that's what you want to be, <laughs> which right. is a weight list. You yeah, know what right. I mean? If you want to say you're the champion, say I'm the 128-pound <laughs> champion. I like yeah, that. And, 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 and for better. And for Benavidez, I would go a step further. You know, I, I agree with you, John, on that whole thing about the safety of the fighter. But if you ask Joe, Joe Benavidez if he would like to not cut those extra two and a half pounds, I'm sure he would happily take that. He suffered down to make 125 pounds, and his opponent didn't. No doubt. And, and that's the problem. It's like this one guy who did it, it was not fun, made it 125. The other guy did not. And, yeah, it's about safety. But one guy did it. The other guy didn't. And... I'm sure Joe didn't – it wasn't a walk in the park for the guy. Yeah, maybe next fight, Benavides gets to come in at 128, and the other guy has to come in at 125. <laughs> there you yeah. go. That's, well, you know what I mean? I mean? And, again, and I agree with Kenny. I don't think you're going to find a nicer guy in the sport than Joe Benavides and his wife. You know, they're both just yeah. sweethearts. I think everybody loves them, and, and that, you know, that, that doesn't take – I'm not taking away anything from the guy's performance, but the weight thing was a – was a big issue and and it's funny man i had a a, a a girl i trained who's brazilian said during that interview that figueroa the, the, the manager of village was wasn't even saying what he was saying he was saying what he wanted to say to yeah, do damage exactly. control she said it had nothing to do with what the other guy was saying you you could even see they got into a a confrontation where i think i think uh village told him to shut up or you know let him let him talk something like that but uh yeah, I think the whole thing, you know, it just taints a division that really needed a clear winner and with no no glitches and we didn't get it. Now we're we're back in limbo again. Kenny, fighters are so discouraged in this situation from stepping aside and not fighting, right? Like for Joe to be like, look, I'm I'm not gonna fight the guy, right? It's a headlining fight and for Benavidez, obviously he would have been the UFC flyweight champion yes. had he won that fight. But there are promotions that are out there that if you don't make weight, you don't fight. And I'm not sure I see any solution, right? Because you shouldn't put Benavidez in a position to be roundly criticized by the fan base, you know, and pressured by the promotion to fight, right? So you knew Joe was going to fight regardless, given what yeah. was on the line. Um, there are a lot of layers to this. But, uh, Ray, I mean, do you think that that is a, a reasonable scenario or solution that if you don't make weight, you can't compete? Uh, you know, the, I mean, look, obviously there's a lot, like you say, there's a lot of layers to it and, and making money is one of them. I mean, that yeah. would have just killed, that would have killed that whole event. You know, there's a possibility right. maybe always pay a standby to be ready to go, you know, just have right. insurance, pay a guy some money to make sure that he's ready to go. But then I don't even think that's right because then 
you can't really game plan for that guy, but, you know, it's still a fight. Yeah. Uh, but you know what I mean? But I, I think having a guy ready, like I'm sure they'll do with Adesanya and Romero, uh, you know, I just don't think they put a lot of a lot behind the 125-pound division. Right. I think they would have right. did that, you know? Right. So quickly, and Kenny, you can lead on this, and Ray, I want to get your thoughts. Just quickly on the fight itself. Kenny, all <laughs> due respect, you did not seem very convicted picking your friend Joseph Benavidez on the show last week. You didn't like the matchup for him, which you said off the top. Um, so I don't know if this fight played out maybe the way you expected it to, but Figueroa, Figueroa to me, weight miss or otherwise, uh, he's a real problem and, and has a lot of, lot of intriguing skills in his arsenal. In he, he, he is. He's huge for the weight class. My big concern with Joe uh, is offensively he charges straight into a guy he never moves his head and he gets away with a lot of those entries because he is very fast he is very quick he throws a lot of different combinations um but you can't charge head first into into a person's center line and expect to win every single exchange you just can't and a guy who is as dangerous and you know frankly gives zero fucks when he goes ah. out there and fights uh, Davison Figueredo does not care. He wants to get into a brawl. He knows he's going to hit harder than pretty much 99% of the guys in that division. Um, and he'll happily let Joe charge in. And for the, mo for the majority of those exchanges, Joe Benavidez's speed was the difference. But when Figueredo was tagging him, and almost every single time he landed, he was hurting Joe. And that was my big concern going forward was that this is a guy in Figueredo who – um, it just hits with so much uh, anger and power, oh, and just words, was man. was just hurting Joe in a lot of those exchanges. And um, the big problem is also, you know, opposite those opposite stance fighters, and because Joe really wasn't moving his head, um, they kept colliding heads. There was two head collisions, one after another, and, and it was it was clearly uh, Benavidez who got the worst of those, and then it allowed Figueroa to really land that big shot, and then the hammer sh the hammer fist after was brutal as well. Yeah, Ray, that headbutt that opened the cut, you know, Joe was the guy leading with his head, obviously, yeah. for that seminal yeah. blow. What, what what are your thoughts on the fight? No, I, I think Kenny's right. Look, he, I, I look, I thought, first off, while it lasted, I thought it was a great fight. Even the yeah. scrambles on the floor, getting out of the armbar, there was a lot of, right. you know, back and forth. I thought Benavides was doing good. To me, it looked like a guy that was, even though he was leading with his head, which obviously became his downfall, because I do think the headbutt, distracted him enough that he just wasn't, you know, he wasn't focused when that right hand came. So it wasn't like he got, he, he didn't pay for coming in with his head at that time. He just, he paid for it with the headbutt, and then I think it distracted him enough to where he just, you know, you could see that right hand, he didn't move his head at all, and he just got sat on his ass. But uh, I thought, I thought it looked like Benavides was like, this is, this is, my last shot, he was going for it. I think that's what we saw. Oh, no. A guy that was, he did, like, again, he didn't give any fucks, and he was going forward. Yeah, he yeah. was leaning in with his head, which I think, you know, was a big part of why he lost because of that headbutt. But, yeah. uh, man, I, it was exciting, and I, and I loved watching a guy know that this is his last opportunity against a really bigger, tough guy, and he was going for it, man. So hats off to Benavides, man. Really, yeah. really was. Uh, I loved watching that fight. What What made me even more concerned was the fact that, you know, the Brazilian fighter Davison Figueiredo. He he 
he tends to fight like he doesn't have a care in the world. He's absolutely fearless when he fights. He still kept that with him despite not making weight. He just like it didn't even happen. Whereas all the pressure was on Benavidez, he was the only guy who could win that belt. The only thing that was going to happen was he was going to lose it. So essentially it was almost like right. sitting there for the taking, and you could see that pressure in Joe. There was a lot of nervousness despite all yeah. the experience. Yeah. Walking into that cage, I just got that much more nervous for Joe. Yeah. Uh, it just seemed like he was carrying the, the, the weight of the world on his shoulders, man. And I think he would tell you as much. If you saw him last June, I know it was a long time ago against Juicier Formiga, though. He didn't even want to eat after the weigh-in because he was just so angry and hungry for a win. And when you saw he looked like uh, an assassin in there just at the beginning of that fight, he didn't have that look in his eyes for one reason or another, and maybe it is nerves. But, Kenny, I think you hit on every viable and and angle of that fight. Uh, Ray, real quick, because I want to get to a few other things with you today. Did you see the fight between Magomed and Galat? and Iwan Kutelaba, the controversial light heavyweight fight that ended in 38 seconds there? Yeah, yeah, of course I did. Yeah, and I really, uh, man, that's a, that, you know, again, that's a tough, I mean, <laughs> that was just a horrible call. But, uh, you know, I think that, too, I, I like McDonald. He's a, he's a nice guy. But I, I think to his defense, in his head, he really thought he was doing the right thing. He thought the guy was hurt and he was trying to save him. But, man, I just... I, I didn't see it, man. I, I knew he was playing possum, and even if he wasn't, that fight shouldn't have been stopped. I mean, it's just the way it is. Kenny, I talked to a mixed martial arts referee that does major UFC shows this morning because anytime something controversial like this happens, I'm I'm trying to gather information as sure. a play-by-play voice for the UFC, right? I want to be as informed as possible, even if I forget half of this shit when it shows up when I'm actually <laughs> sitting at the goddamn table. Yeah. But this referee said to me, and he wasn't necessarily trying to defend Kevin McDonald. Sure. Uh, but he did say that maybe this isn't the best sport in which to play possum. Uh, you know, Kute Laba was a plus 225 underdog. Maybe he was trying to inject this variable into the fight against Ankalaev. I think the reason that possum angle has juice is because Bisping sort of led that narrative and led that charge on broadcast. You know, Kute Laba certainly said that's what he was doing. It appeared to me largely at times that that's what he was doing, Kenny. But what do you think about playing possum in uh, in 205 pounds of martial arts? <laughs> Probably not the best of ideas. Um, again, these are little gloves. So when someone gets clipped and you see their head kind of bob or maybe their legs wobble a little bit, um, you know, the referee's gonna gonna pay extra special attention there. Um, and I feel like he did that a few times in a row after a strike from Ankalaev. So I think it made it look bad. And again, this is thing, something that's happening in the moment. And the referee's trying to assess what the right. damage is, what's going yeah. on. Um, and, and maybe his angle isn't uh, always the, the, the best one, right, from where he's watching the fight. So it is a tricky thing. This is what makes refereeing such a difficult thing in mixed martial arts. But I would say, even if he was hurt, and, and this is the unfortunate thing for Kevin McDonald, is, you know, I think it's one thing to be in the center of the octagon and be throwing. It's another thing to be up against a cage and maybe being wobbled and like trying to throw and you're just comp- you don't even know where you are. You could see that Ankalaev was still kind of in it and when you went back and watched the replay, it was way more clear that it did look like he was playing possum. Yes. So it's unfortunate, man. You know, Kevin has been one of the more consistent referees in the UFC. I mean, this is a guy who's been able to fly under the radar. And when you're doing that as a referee, that means yeah. you're doing a tremendous job. So right. I can't point to another instance where he's made a mistake. 
uh, in in his UFC career thus far, as far as I, you know, I know. Um, this was a mistake. It happens. It, it it sucks because both guys were really ramping up. There was this crescendo that was oh, building yeah. in this fight, man. That yeah. was so good. Uh, and both guys were throwing with so much violence. Uh, it, it was it was tough to see that fight end like it did. Ray, Kevin's a friend of mine. I think he would own parts of this mistake and maybe in the future show a little bit more restraint when a guy is drunk driving, so to speak, like that three or four times. But a referee, to Kenny's point, or a broadcaster, like every time we utter something, you know, over seven hours, it's out there. We can't take it back, yeah. right? And once he engaged, even if there was a verbal stop in Kutelaba, then through the haymaker, I think if you're the referee, you see that a guy's brain is misfiring a couple times, Ray, right? And the third time he saw his eyes maybe go or whatever, you know, he just felt like he had to be decisive. But I think he'll probably learn from it. And, and the next time around, don't want a late stoppage, but maybe he would be a little bit more precise at that moment, you know? Yeah, listen, at the end of the day, he got faked out also, really. But I think... What saves Kevin McDonald is that I think his heart was in the right spot. Yeah, there wasn't. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't. There wasn't nothing malicious. There was nothing. You know, uh, fuckery or whatever you want. He really yeah. thought he was making the right call. He got faked out. And quickly, I had a, a kid, Dennis Bazooka, win a Ring of Combat Championship uh, two weeks ago, and he had closed the guy's eye, so his right eye was closed and. Dennis was attacking him, and he started holding his eye like, you know, he was stopping. He put one hand up, and like the ref, almost to say like he was done. And I really thought he was done sitting on the outside. So my guy stopped hitting him, and the guy attacked him. Wow. You know, so yeah. this possum thing, you know, like, again, he tricked He faked me out. I mean, I really thought, because I saw his eye was shut, and I thought he just said, man, I had enough. I just got hit with a combo, and I can't see. And that fight ended up going the distance. But, you know, another three seconds like that or two seconds, that ref's going to stop the fight. But, you know, well, whatever. Hey. It's, 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 a, it's a tough one for Kevin because, again, I believe his heart was in the right spot. He yeah. thought he was making the right call. And, you know, like it was easy on the outside. I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I think even if he wasn't, you know, if he, if he wasn't playing possum, I don't know. I think that yeah. fight was stopped a little early. Well, hopefully playing possum doesn't become a trend like calf kicks, but uh, I, do, I do believe that's what, what he was doing. But uh, all right, well, we, we move on. And uh, May 2nd, right, two months from today, UFC fight night, Weidman versus Hermanson, or maybe it's Hermanson versus Weidman. I don't know who gets the red corner, but uh, your guy Chris is back, and that's a 185-pound fight. Yes, a return of middleweight, Ray? Yes, yes, and we gotta we gotta really get this guy back on track. Whatever it takes, uh, I think his back's obviously against the wall, and uh, it's gonna take a full commitment. And uh, I think he's got a good opponent, and uh, you know it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. But uh, you know, Manson's an unorthodox guy who's uh, obviously strong, and uh, it should be uh, it should make for a great fight. And Aljamain Sterling is hitting the UFC PI this week. Says it's going to be a big week in terms of his recovery. So uh, we'll see how it goes for Aljo. But I'm getting wicked fucking impatient when it comes to these bantamweights and these fights. So uh, hopefully we have some bout agreements here uh, in the not-too-distant future, my man. Yeah, I would have thought that would already have been done based even on our conversation about a Come three on, weeks Ray. ago. But I don't even know if we're close. Yeah. All right, man. 
Well, uh, anything else before we let you fly, or are you good, man? We appreciate the extra time today. 20 minutes would long go off the top, 20 huh? Mi- let me tell you something. Anytime I get 20 <laughs> minutes with my two buddies, I'm a happy camper on a Monday morning. That's it. I still want the hair. I want to see Longo's yeah. hair. This I is want, I want it tested to make sure everybody knows I'm not dying. It's almost a curse against me now because, no, <laughs> yeah. you're dying your hair. No, I'm not, I'm not dying. <laughs> I would tell you. Trust me, I would tell you. It's actually uh, frost those right, tips, right? It's actually downright embarrassing that uh, that coming up on the five year anniversary of this podcast's launch, that Ray isn't consistently on video. I got to do like a tattoo bet or something that maybe if by the end of the year, Ray's no, maybe if by May second, Longo's not on video, I have to get some Longo inspired tattoo. Not committing oh, to that man. tattoo, but maybe. Let me, let me tell you something, John. If you've learned anything in the last five years, it's uh, you shouldn't be betting. That's it. <laughs> I have a, a future ticket on the Kansas City Chiefs to win the Super Bowl sitting in my desk drawer here that begs to differ. But we'll get you out of here on that, buddy. Thank you. We'll talk to you next week, okay? All right, guys. Take it easy. See you, right. All right. We got Anik, I mean, what, what, what about a tattoo, dude? Put a hole through his fucking chest. <laughs> right, right on your chest. How about that? that well, I'm not that tough. Two on nine <laughs> took about five minutes. I'm not that tough for all of that, but... Uh, Game bread tattoos coming. I want to get it on my neck. My wife w- would not allow that. <laughs> Craig Borsari, Zach Candido probably don't want that neck tattoo either. Yeah. A little makeup on there, though. All right, we got to get to the pronunciation of the week. So a lot of people reached out on TJ DeSantis's behalf, okay? Heidi Dean, who is one of my dear friends who works for the UFC, Kenny, you know HD. She texted me, TJ got it right. My twin brother, I mean, is just bows at the altar of TJ DeSantis. Uh, right, but no, but here, here's, what, here's why he's 2-2 two and two and not 3-1. and one. I actually was going to give him the point. And then I went back and watched the Ankalaev fight. Buffer butchered it, right? He did. Respectfully. He just yeah. said, Ank alive. I mean, whatever it was, you know, I love you, Buff. So, but that Brendan Fitzgerald and Michael Bisping, I said, all right, if Buffer and these two guys all say Ank alive, three syllables, then we'll give TJ the point. But if Fitzgerald and Bisping are both saying Ank alive, then he's not getting the fucking point. And you know what? Yeah. The two men who were sitting there paid to really get it right, saying it multiple times during a fight said Ank alive. So TJ regrettably you're two That's and two fair. My man. you know i'm not listening to the file before i make the attempt right of course and we know you're a great sport and uh as credentialed as it gets when it comes I to mean, this great sport i just don't want to play a game that i can't win and if that's the case right. yeah you know then what am i doing here you know <laughs> all right well uh let's make kenny say it. let's make kenny <laughs> say it from now on and then i can just say nope wrong <laughs> All right. Well, uh, to that end, TJ, we have this week's pronunciation of the week. And uh, this will be the first fight of the night on UFC Fight Pass, baby. UFC Fight Pass letters loud and proud on, on the Anakin Florian Podcast YouTube page today. Uh, he's fighting Ken Flo's guy, Guido Canetti. We all wish it was Guido Canetti so we could say Guido on the broadcast. But uh, this guy's fighting at Bantamweight against Guido Canetti. TJ, who am I talking about? This name's brutal. I'm two and two. Yes. Then no. Nope, not interested. All right. Well, then we can give you the three and one, but I really, I need to hear you say this guy's name. Oh, man. Uh, I don't even know how to say the first name, let alone the last name. This one's tough, Flo. Dana Batter. Got that one right. Bat, Batterel. Bat, bad, bat, 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 George Gurgel. <laughs> All right. So it's spelled D A N A A. B-A-T-G-E-R-E-L. Let's hear how he says it. And, okay. Dana Batgirl. 
Sorry, slowly. Tana, Bakteril. One more. Tana, Bakteril. He doesn't know how to say it. He's just making noises. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I wrote out the phonetics. I sent them to uh, to Buff and my bosses. Dana uh, Batgeri, right? So we'll see if that's – I mean, I don't know if that's how to pronounce it. That's my interpretation of the file, TJ. We're going to make you three and two on the year because that one was so unfair. We'll give you the loss for that one. We'll give you the win on Ankalaev. And we will move on to the. What are we making trades here? Uh, I know this is insane. Oh, I mean, but my. The, for for my twin brother Jay to call me impassioned with this <laughs> plea to give TJ the point, he really must have felt like we had wronged you last week. So he's a smart guy. Yeah. Oh God damn it! What the fuck? Those are the sounds that used to come out of my fat mouth when I would cut myself shaving before I knew about manscaped. And I got to think a lot of you out there have had to do some manscaping at some point in time. Doesn't always go off without a hitch, fellas. Good news, though. These manscaping accidents, truly a thing of the past. Let me grab my lawnmower 3.0 right here. See the LED light? This thing is absolutely incredible. They spent 18 months redesigning what is the greatest below-the-waist trimmer ever created. The new and improved lawnmower 3.0 features a brilliant cutting-edge ceramic blade to prevent accidents. It allows for a much more quick and efficient trim, largely because you're no longer worried about cutting your balls. Premium product here, folks. LED light you saw there for more precise trimming. They've upgraded the motor. Battery lasts up to 90 minutes. Rapid charging dock. Sleek. Powered by USB, which makes it super easy to use. This company honestly has thought of everything. It's so easy for me in, to endorse this product. This Lawnmower 3.0 has changed my life. A lot of people have written into us that they agree. Uh, and we want you guys to get in the game with Manscaped. So get 20% off free shipping by using the code AF at manscaped.com today. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code AF, manscaped.com, promo code AF for 20% off with free shipping. All right, main event challenge is now tied. Let's get to the picks. It's the main event challenge. And the time is most definitely now. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The Main Event Challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. All right, so it was Nick Contreras, our John Anik MMA Charity Challenge winner repping Team Anik last week, and it's a three-to-one week for Team Florian that has us tied at 23 apiece. You know, Contreras has got to feel kind of screwed or hosed a little bit, maybe just shortchanged on that Kute Lava plus 225 pick, given what happened there. But uh, nonetheless, we're tied at 23, and a big week is upon us. Ian Parker is back for the pay-per-view. What's up, kid? I missed you guys last week, John. I, we had you on the show. We had you on the show. Picks. Picks. I didn't get to see you guys. I didn't get to make my picks. <laughs> what was the first thing I said to you off air? He did not just pick Kutalaba. <laughs> I said, well, just pick I... the same as Kenny. Maintain the lead. It's a strategy thing, all right? Don't be oh. a hero. Well, we'll see if they <laughs> run that fight back. I love it. We'll see if they run <laughs> that fight back. You know what's interesting, they too, should, is... It stands to reason, and we touched a lot on it, Ian, so I won't go too far down that road with you. But one thing that's interesting, Kenny, is that Ankalaev and Kute Laba are both going to make more money because of this, right? Because if they run it back in six weeks or sooner, you know what Good I mean? Point. It's like, so Ankalaev's getting his show money, his win money, and he gets to fight the same guy probably in, in a couple months. So uh, not all bad for the fighters, yeah. even though Kute Laba is not a guy you want on your bad side, uh, I can assure you. All right. So we're going to make six picks today. It is UFC 248, Adesanya versus Romero. We will begin with the featured prelim, yours live on ESPN. 
Sugar Show is back, folks. Unless you're a quintet ultra guy like me, you haven't seen him compete in a while. Sean O'Malley, minus 320. Jose Teco Quinones, plus 260. First appearance for O'Malley since UFC 222. That was two years ago, March 2018. Eighth UFC star for Teco, who's a pretty good fighter. He's won five of his last six under the radar. Ian Parker, who do you got here? He is a good fighter, but I would not want to be on the opposite side of a very hungry, very probably impatient Sean O'Malley at this point. I just think Malley's reach, I think his creativity on the ground, if it gets there, will be the difference. I like that he did that grappling competition. I actually watched. I was impressed with him. You know, I feel like he's been training and training. I don't think he's just been – he's definitely been smoking weed, but I don't think he's been doing nothing in smoking weed. So yeah. I'm going to go with Sugar – yeah, I'm going to go with Sugar Sean this week. Uh, I'm a little surprised he's that he heavy of a favorite, though, like betting-wise, being out for so long. But I still like him this week, so I'm going to go with uh, Sugar Sean for the win. Kenny, I know this isn't like the Enunciation and the Pronunciation podcast, and but like you can't just drop the O and call him Mally and right. not register on TJ's radar. Do you understand, Ian? <laughs> you know how much love I have for you, but you just called him Mally. Low-hanging fruit. Time out, time out. I speak very fast, so you probably okay. just didn't hear the O. Uh -huh. I no Listen, if I'm going to fuck up a name, it's not going to be like that. And TJ didn't come in, so you know he's waiting. Low-hanging fruit, waiting. Ian. I Every once in a while, <laughs> I just figure I shouldn't derail the show because you're an idiot. So. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I mean, I wanted to let it go, and I heard a Mally, and anyone who's watching the video saw oh, me Mally. smile. Oh, oh so, so, so you talk too quickly, we'll and somehow that's our fault. No, no, the record, no, will, the record will back me up. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Gotta, I'll throw the, I'll, I challenge the play. Fuck that. We have replay. We can right. do it, right? We got to move, though, because the best <laughs> handicapper on this show is Joe Osborne. He's coming up in about 15 minutes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's just content. It's just content. <laughs> break that. Get, bring back Contreras and get me to audio. Fuck this. So uh, I agree. Ken Flo, uh, Quinones, former soccer player, tough kid, Mexican striker, pretty good UFC body of work here. What do you think about him in a tough spot, at least on paper, against Sean O'Malley? Yeah, listen, I, I think this is a fight that really favors Sean O'Malley. Um, you know, I, I think Quinones is, is, is dangerous. He can do some things out there. I just think that um, Sean O'Malley is going to have his number pretty much everywhere. So... Yeah, smoking that Northern Cali, going to go with Sean O'Malley. Here we oh, go. If you need good weed, you go to the Sugar Show. Sean O'Malley take good care of you. All right, pay-per-view opener. This should be bananas. Great matchmaking here, excuse me, at welterweight. Alex Cowboy Oliveira, minus 145. Max Payne Griffin is plus 125. You know, Griffin has fought a very tough UFC schedule, Ian, thus far. And maybe that's why he hasn't won two straight in the octagon. Ninth UFC appearance here. He's a hard guy to put away. Great cardio. Loves to fight. He's gone 25 minutes four times as a pro. Last six have gone the distance. A lot of film on Griffin. What do you think about him here against the Brazilian cowboy Alex Oliveira? I think his biggest advantage or his key would be the cardio against Oliveira, who does not have a great gas tank. However... It just concerns me because the guys who he's lost to, I don't think are anywhere near Oliveira's level who Oliveira has fought on a competition standpoint. You know, it's fun to take shots at underdogs here, but I just think Oliveira is better everywhere. You know, I don't necessarily think he's going to knock Griffin out, but ground game, he's better. You know, he's, I think his striking, as long as Oliveira doesn't get wild and try to get into a crazy exchange, if he could stay composed and really utilize his ground game, I think he has this. So... For the moment, although I don't like it, it, it's this is a risky fight. This is a lot harder to pick than people may assume. I'm still going to take Cowboy Oliveira here. 
Canflo, can you hear Gustavo Lima blaring in your head right now as Alex <laughs> Cowboy Oliveira gets set to make another walk? You know, he's kind of an acquired taste, I think, for a lot of people. He yeah. was 9-3 and three in the UFC at one point before this recent three-fight skid. Uh, Gunnar Nelson, Mike Perry most recently. Uh, he lost a, a unanimous decision to the returning Nicholas Dalby. Could be fighting for his job here, Kenny. What do you mm-hmm. think about Alex Oliveira against Max Griffin? You know, uh, this is a difficult one. Um, I, I think Griffin um, is more of your traditional um, orthodox striker. Oliveira, very unorthodox in his approach. He's got a weird rhythm to him. Um, I, I do think Griffin can definitely win this fight. I just think that Oliveira has a tendency of making things nasty out there, even for uh, guys like uh, Gunnar Nelson, you know, who typically can stick to a game plan and keep it pretty technical. But Oliveira can find a way to drag them into, um, you know, these wild fights. And I think Oliveira is going to be able to do this against Max Griffin. I, I like Oliveira here to win this fight. All right. Also at welterweight boys, the oncoming force that is the leech. Lee Jing Leung, one of my favorite people on this roster, despite the language barrier. I got so much love for the Leech, has such a big heart. Uh, he's the minus 175 favorite here. He'll try to keep the momentum going with a four, fourth straight win against the plus 155 underdog, Neil Magny. Ken Full, why don't you lead us here? What do you think, the Leech or the 20-time UFC veteran, Neil Magny? Jeez, this is another tricky fight. It is uh, a tough well, fight. well-matched fight. Um, I, I myself would like to see Magny establish his jab, keep um, Jing Leung on the outside, and then look for takedowns. Uh, try to put him on his back and see if he can, you know, control him, slow him down, look for a submission there. Uh, but I, ju- I just don't see it happening. I, I think Li Jing Leung is going to get the win here. I see him hurting him on the feet and maybe getting a late TKO. Yeah, Neil Magny, idle since he was knocked out by Santiago Ponzinibbio. That was all the way back in November of 2018. But that obviously is not the narrative on his career. He has been a workhorse, and he's found found a recipe for success in the octagon, despite, um, you know, at least on paper, coming off the ultimate fighter, not being a guy who people had high expectations for. 14 UFC wins. That's more than Ken Flo, my man, you know? And a lot of that, you know, five in a full year in 2014. Um, what do you think about this fight here, Neil Magny, Lee Jing Leung? But was he the most popular fighter over Anderson Silva for, like, 11 yeah. months? I don't yeah. think last, so. Uh, last time I checked, he didn't fight after Anderson Silva. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> Twice. And was he, was he oh, ever a dark, untelevised main event fight like Kenny? I don't think so. <laughs> um, so... Here's here's what I'll say about Neil Magny. I think one <laughs> I think one of the things about Magny that made uh, that that recipe for success, like you spoke about, was I guess kind of the unexpected surprise of him. People, he was so unassuming, you know. After the show, his range, the way he used it, he was very good all around. I mean, that fight against Hector Lombard was was crazy. You know, his cardio also. However. I think he's at a real disadvantage coming off of a long layoff. I mean, when you fight as much as he was doing, you get your own rhythm. He was finding success. The leech is no joke. After that last fight, I am all about the leech. John, I see why you love this guy. I think the power here is going to be the difference maker. I don't know if Magny, who was once able to handle it, I don't think he'll be able to handle the power. Uh, to Kenny's point, the, you got to put leech on his back in order to take away that situation. I don't see that happening either. I think his takedown attempts are way too predictable. And I think the Leech comes out victorious in this one. So I'm with Kenny here as well. All right. Next up on the pay-per-view featured bout at lightweight. This fight was made once before last July in Sacramento. Benil Daryush pulled out of the fight six days out. 
Saturday night, it shall be done. The recently married Benil Daryush, minus 165. Jakar Close, plus 145. IP, who do you have? This is a tough fight. This is a really tough fight to pick on a betting standpoint. I really don't like either one. It's just, it just it's too close everywhere. Um, but here I'm going to roll with the underdog. I'm going to go with close in this one. I think his leg kicks could be the difference. You know, I think with Dariush, when he first came to the US, UFC, <coughs> his wrestling, you know, was really something he utilized. He has not been able to establish that a lot lately. And I think that's why he's been a little inconsistent. I don't love him. in the, You know, it, again, this is so tough. I just think that... In order for Close to win this fight, he cannot be as hesitant as he was in his last fight against Giagos. Am I pronouncing that one correctly? Probably not. But um, <laughs> I'm just going to throw it out there. I know I'm not going to pronounce 98% of these guys uh, correctly. But I'm going to go with Close. I think the leg kicks, I think his wrestling will prevent the takedowns. And I think he's a better striker. So he's also really scrappy. He's tough. I like him in this one if I had to pick. So. Kenny, I saw, well, you do have to pick. I saw Drakkar close shortly after uh, Darius's withdrawal, and he was not happy, obviously, a week out. Biggest fight of his career, at least on paper, formerly ranked guy in Darius. And he was moving on from the fight, went and fought Christos Yagos, and now this fight comes around again. So it does have some extra heat on it, I think, at least on the close side. I don't know if that matters. Um, but Darius, you know, has won three straight since a three-fight winless kid. You got close at 5-1 and one in the UFC. Uh, who do you think keeps it going here? Uh, this is uh, another close matchup here. I, I think for Drakkar Close, the things that he does better, I, I think he probably has the cleaner wrestling. I, I, he probably has the cleaner boxing as well. But somehow Daryush is able to really combine all of his skills uh, into a tough package to deal with. And I think that uh, Daryush is going to be a little bit more dangerous everywhere. If someone gets a finish, I think it's going to be Daryush. I think it probably favors close if it goes to decision. But uh, I think Daryush is going to find a way to get the win here. I think he's going to come out very aggressive and throw close off of his game. Uh, close likes a, a more of a controlled pace. Uh, and Daryush kind of will get in your face and pressure you straight away. So um, I like Daryush here to get the win. If you're wondering why Ken Flo is the best analyst in MMA, rewind the show 30 seconds. Just listen to those 30 seconds. Just fucking listen. <laughs> All right, co-headliner, UFC strawweight title. Kenny, we'll have you lead here, my man. Zhang Wei Li, minus 175. Yoana Yim, Jacek, plus 155. So Zhang Wei Li favored here in what will be the first defense of her undisputed title. So we're going to sit down with her for the first time Thursday in Vegas. And obviously we're curious how this whole coronavirus backdrop has affected her preparation. If you follow her on Instagram, you know she's been bouncing around, but she has been in the U.S. for a while. And she's going to try to take out the former strawweight queen here. I love this fight, Ken Flo. Remarkably a 10th UFC title fight for Joanna Yeonjacek. Certainly has a huge edge in terms of the strength of schedule UFC championship experience. How do you handicap the co-main event, kid? I really love this fight as well. Um, it, it, it's intriguing for a lot of different reasons. Um, you know, is, is this a new Yuana Young Jacek? Um, you know, is she hungry um, again? I, I think she lost a little bit of her hunger. Um, I, I think some, in, in some cases, the early success may have plagued her. Obviously, she had a lot of uh, issues outside of the octagon that she had to deal with, and I'm, I'm sure those were major factors as well. Um, but sometimes when you find success that early in the UFC and then things don't go so well, you tend to start to doubt yourself big time. You know, you know, it, was I doing the right thing? Are people getting better than me? Um, and we have a Chinese fighter who is, I, I think, going to be looking for these exchanges 
is going to be trying to test the chin of Ioana Young Jacek. Um, and I think she has the power to do it. I, I think there's been times where, um, you know, I, I see Zhang and I, I feel like she shows a little bit of inexperience. Sometimes she gets overly excited, you know, when she hurts her opponents, but she's got some serious power. I think she's only getting better. I think she's a tremendous athlete. I think she's the better athlete here. I think you want a young Jake check. If she's able to take this to decision and be disciplined and outpoint her round after round, I think you want to can win this, but, um, I like Zhang to, to get the win here. I think she's going to look to try to finish her, uh, and we'll get the finish. Um, let's go with fourth round TKO. Round four TKO, the official pick for Ken Flo on Zhang Wei Li. So, Young Jae Chek's straw weight reign from 2015 to 2017, Ian, absolutely is the reign that all of these future straw weight reigns will be judged. Nama Yunus wasn't able to hold that belt as long. I do think Joanna has figured out how to successfully make 115 pounds and not completely destroy herself. Maybe that's not the case, you know, but I do believe that there have been some encouraging signs. Certainly the Michelle Watterson weight cut back in October, I think, was a step in the right direction. Uh, for Zhang Wei Li, I don't know if she's fought anyone remotely close to Joanna. Um, 42 seconds of foot footage from that Jessica Andrade championship win, but obviously there's a good UFC body of work that preceded that fight, the Tisha Torres win. Um, what do you think about this strawweight title fight? On a betting standpoint, Joanna plus one fifty five is pretty fucking sexy. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. It, it's hard because you don't. How when do you do you ever see those type of odds like as an underdog for someone? who's been a dominant champ, who has fought the top of the top, the best of the best. And then you have Lee who comes in as a champ. And to your point, what was it? You said 42 seconds, right? The only thing that I, you know, I think Kenny kind of broke this down perfectly. You know, one thing he just didn't mention was that Lee's wrestling, you know, you kind of forget about that. And that's always been Joanna's, you know, kryptonite as well. Putting her on her back is something that Lee can rely on, not just her power. Her boxing looks really good. She just seems like maybe the more well-rounded fighter. Um, I don't know what her cardio is going to be if it goes to the distance. So to Kenny's point, Joanna has to go that far. She has to outpoint her. She has to outstrike her tremendously in and out, fire away those leg kicks, take away that power, you know, but... I just think Lee is a monster. You know, that last fight shut me the fuck up real bad because I thought Andrade was going to be the more powerful one. And nope, you know, and I'm willing to, when I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And I was really fucking wrong with that one. So I think Lee wins here. I'm going to do a little prices right. I'm going to go round two. I think she'll finish Joanna. I think if she takes this fight to the ground, I see her taking Joanna to the ground, Joanna being on force trying to get up, and Lee just firing away that left hand on the ground and just ending it that way. I just think she's a beast. I think her discipline, you know, with the way she, she trains from what I'm hearing and what I'm reading, I like it. You know, Yuana may be hungry, but I think Lee is just so well-rounded that uh, Kenny's got something. Go ahead. No, I, and I was going to add um, – are you done? Yeah, yeah, I was just going to add, you know, <laughs> I think a lot of it had to do with Michelle Watterson's excellent performance as well, but – I was waiting for this amazing performance from Joanna Young Jacek to go out there and finish uh, someone like Michelle Watterson. Sure. She couldn't get it done. And when I didn't see that, I said, I don't know if she has it yet. It doesn't mean she doesn't. She could show up and, and really prove us wrong here. But uh, I was waiting for an amazing performance, and I just didn't see that here. So that's why I'm going with uh, Zhang Wei Li as well. All right, a couple Any? plays there. Oh. Go ahead. 
Go ahead. No, I was going to say, to, no, to Kenny's point, you know, that was something that was kind of the fight. I thought that was designed for Joanna to yeah. have that moment to set this up. You know, I thought she, she may have fought a little conservative to make sure she got the win, but you, you just, you just kind of took the words right from my mouth, even though I was probably rambling like an asshole, you know, that's really the thing that I was waiting for too. So yeah. that I'm, I'm with you. I think, I think Lisa star. This is yeah. huge for her, for her resume. Zhang Wei Lee. Stop calling her Lee. I let it go the first six times. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. It's like calling Kenny knee. It's Lee. like calling Kenny fucking knee. Call him knee. It, look, it's Wei Lee. Maybe you're not hearing me correctly. Zhang Wei Lee. Main <laughs> event for the Lee. undisputed UFC middleweight championship. This will be the first official defense for Israel Adesanya. He doesn't see it as such because he had that interim belt going into the Whitaker fight. But first official defense. He's the modest 275 favorite against the ageless Yoel Romero, who comes back, plus 235. All credit to Izzy for taking a page out of Khabib Nurmagomedov's book and perpetually asking for the toughest fights. If Paolo Costa is hurt, I want Yoel Romero. I want that scalp on my resume. Ian Parker, how do you see the main event playing out this weekend? Um, if we were talking two years ago, I would go Romero because he actually used his wrestling. Uh, but he doesn't seem like that guy anymore. He wants to land the flying knee. He wants to brawl and land the knockout against Paulo Costa. He only went for a couple of takedowns, got them, stood back up, and just didn't try again. Adesanya is just in my it just I think his evolution in his young career in the UFC has just been unbelievable. His takedown defense, he's just so good. And I just don't know if um. I, I just think he, listen, I think he wins this fight. I don't think he's going to finish Romero. You know, Romero is obviously very tough to finish. And if this just becomes a kickboxing fight, I think it's pretty obvious that Adesanya has the edge here. You know, just Romero, I mean, listen, he's a frightening individual. Power for days. He's a, he's a freak. The guy is just, it, it, watching him, his eyes, the facial expressions, it's like nothing phases him. But I also don't think he really thinks logically, like, in the fight. His IQ like, he throws it out the window. It's just, it's so inconsistent. So, I like Israel Adesanya here. I'm going to go by decision. I just don't think he plays into Yoel Romero's game at all, you know? He doesn't fight emotional like Romero does. So, I got Izzy. Can flow Yoel Romero's last four fights, one and three. Lost to Robert Whitaker, UFC 213 in 2017. One of the best fights I've ever seen. Then he knocked out Luke Rockhold in Perth. That was February 2018. He wins the interim middleweight title fight. But he had missed weight, so no belt for him. Next fight then, rematch for the undisputed title. That was UFC 225, June 2018. Missed weight again. A lot of people thought he won that or, or did enough to win that Whitaker rematch. But uh, then was on the wrong end of a split decision there. Beaten by Paolo Costa at UFC 241 last August. So it's two straight losses on paper but still as dangerous and seemingly as motivated as any middleweight in the world. That's why Adesanya wants the fight. I flew back from Houston with Romero. He is carrying himself very lean. I know that doesn't guarantee that he's going to make weight on Friday, but tremendous fight. I know you and Izzy go way back. The floor is yours. Who wins the middleweight title fight in Vegas? Well, let, let's see if Romero can make champ weight. You know, um, I, I think that Izzy sees something um, very clear, uh, and, and that's why he he wants this fight. Uh, not only does he want to prove himself, but I do think he sees a vulnerability in Romero's game. What is that vulnerability? I think there's a few things. First, Romero is a little too stiff. Everyone talks about him being this physical specimen, and he is. He looks like one. Does he move as a mixed martial artist as this specimen? I don't think he does. I think he carries this slow-moving pace for a reason. He doesn't want to get tired. It's the other reason why he doesn't rely on a heavy-based strategy when he fights. He doesn't want to get tired. Olympic wrestling, it's like 
they're quick goes and you're done. This is a 25-minute fight that he has to pace himself for. I expect Adesanya to get there right out of the gate and pressure him and get get Romero to work hard from that very first second of that very first round. I think Adesanya's game plan is to go heavy early, look to take him out late in that fight in a fourth or fifth round TKO. Can he do it? Yes, I believe he does. I think he's got the skills. I think he has the variety of skills. You look at the intelligence of how both of these guys approach their fights and how they execute their game plans. Romero tends to get a feel for the fight. Adesanya does that as well, but he also has a very clear game plan and approach. He knows exactly what his opponent is going to do at all times. That's why he's getting these, you know, tremendous performances. That finish over Whitaker, I thought was a a stroke of genius the way that he knocked him out. He knew exactly what Whitaker was going to do. He was leaning back, expecting that hook trade. He landed first, got the finish over a tremendous champion in Whitaker, who beat Romero not once but twice. I like Adesanya here to get a TKO or knockout in round four for, um, you know, I, I think this is going to be a tremendous fight. I'm excited for this one. And I think Adesanya definitely has that special star quality. And this fight is going to take him up yet another notch. He said, I'm going to fry him. I'm not going to slow cook him. We'll see if he can get him out of there. Ken Flo says round four. Uh, Ian Parker, anything on the way out, my man? I don't know what it is with Kenny today. Maybe it's the lavender. But man, you brought the <laughs> fucking heat right there. <laughs> brought the heat. Got you excited he was, he, was, he was all over that screen right there. He came ready. Kenny made championship weight. He's fucking ready to go this week. I'm pumped for this fight. No, I'm really – I'm pumped for this fight this weekend. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah. So. All right, buddy. We will talk to you next week. Good stuff. Thank you, sir. See ya. You got it. Later, guys. All right. Adesanya versus Romero. Four Woo! or five sleeps away. I, I just so can't good. wait. You know, And it's funny because when Adesanya says I'm going to fry him and I'm not going to slow cook him, right, it's like – I feel like if I was allowed to bet on this stuff, that would be something that I'd be like, huh, maybe he's maybe be under 15 minutes. We'll see. But I do believe that Romero uh, has put in all the right work continuously, Ken Flo. I just think he does have that cardio blockage thing. And, I, you know, we talk about Colby Covington yeah. realizing as an eight-year-old on a soccer pitch that he had a third lung. And I think for Yoel, right. he has a very acute understanding of – even if he maximizes his resting heart rate, he can only be so good in rounds four and five if he doesn't take one off. Absolutely. Absolutely, John. And I think there's a reason why he moves the way he does. He is pacing himself, and that's smart. But, uh, again, I think that that is going to ultimately lead to his downfall here. And he's just a little too stiff on the feet and, um, you know, not as efficient uh, as he can be. I think Adesanya uh, is a guy who just moves so well. He's so fluid. He's so fast. And Man, he might just might just be the, the smartest fighter in the game. All right. Well, we are going to get a third and final opinion on this main event between Israel Adesanya and Yoel Romero. Let's get to the pick to click. Time now for the pick to click. The pick to click. All I have to do is bet on the winner and I'll never lose. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, today's Pick to Click brought to you by OddsShark.com. OddsShark is your source for the latest odds from leading authorities, expert editorial content, and detailed matchup picks with expert in-depth analysis for each game. Their free statistics, numbers, and trends will help you make the sharp picks on game day. Head over to OddsShark and start playing like a shark today. OddsShark.com. Don't forget that second S. And now joining us 
Live on the guest line is the great Joe Osborne on social media. On Twitter, I should say. You can find him at JTFOZ. I've been trying to find you on Instagram. I don't know if the handle's different, but uh, good Monday to you, Joe. How's it going, my man? John, I just took a pre-workout. It could kick in at any moment. I got <laughs> a big workout on tap, but I'm pumped to be on here talking to you. I love it. I don't know what Ken Flo took today, but some of the <laughs> finest mixed martial arts analysis I've heard in a long time. So uh, before we get to your prediction on uh, Adesanya and Romero this weekend, sure. a lot of people are talking about Tom Brady, and rightfully so, as a Patriots fan, obnoxiously wearing my entering Titletown sweatshirt all weekend. Everybody wants to know mm-hmm. where TB12 is going next year. I'm a betting man. I have seen that New England still appears to be the betting favorite. I guess if I had to bet right now, I think he would go to the Tennessee Titans if he doesn't go back okay. to New England. What do the odds say, and do you have any lean as to where you think Tommy's going to play in September? Yeah, you take a look at the odds, and uh, this is as of last week. These are off the board right now, but as of last right. week, uh, he is favored to go back to New England at minus 250, but if he does leave, uh, the favorites are the Las Vegas Raiders and the Los Angeles Chargers at plus 300 then. Tennessee Titans at plus 700. My lean, and it's a hard lean, I think he's going back to New England. If he yeah. wants to win, especially right. to do so, is in New England. Where they still have one of the top defenses in the league. They have an opportunity in the offseason to improve their offensive skill positions, as well as an almost guaranteed ticket to the playoffs thanks to playing right. in the AFC East. You know, I think right. both sides are kind of posturing right now. That's a negotiation tend to work. Plus, the league and the players are working on a new CBA. So what's the rush? Right. Ultimately, you know, I kind of think the story is being blown out of proportion a little bit, bit of a slow news cycle right now. So I think we see him go back to the Patriots and they have one more kick at the can. Yeah, I think so too, man. I really do. It's like, if you know Tom, you know that he's trying to win a ring next season. And as great as the Chargers roster is on paper, he's got to believe in Mahomes' division that he can get out of that division. And he's got to believe that Anthony Lynn, the head coach, can take him to the promised land. And I'm not sure he thinks Anthony Lynn is that guy. Um, All right, but in the nature of time, I want to move on. So I love future wagers, as you know. At times, you can bet, you know, who's going to be the UFC champion at the end of 2020. Um, But major League Baseball mm-hmm. spring training is here. So a lot of people are betting on the season win totals, and uh, you've got two for yep. our listeners here today. Yeah, one I love. And listen, a lot of people aren't going to like this one, but this is one of the smartest MLB features bets you can make right now, and that's for the Houston Astros to go over nine four and a half wins. Love listen, it. People despise this team. They want them to lose, and they want to bet against them, but this is still very much one of the most talented rosters in baseball. They've won 100 or more, 101 or more games in three straight seasons, including 107 last season when Springer, Altuve, and Correa all missed significant time. You know, they don't play in the greatest division. They went 56-20 and 20 within wow. the AL West last season. And they also had a great road record where they didn't have that little camera in the outfield to uh, tell them what <laughs> pitches are coming. So I think they're still going to uh, have a pretty good season and, uh, you know, flirt with getting to that uh, triple digits 100 again. Favorite under bet. Pittsburgh Pirates, 69.5, really low number, but keep in mind, they won just 69 games last season. They play in a very competitive division where four of the teams have a realistic chance of winning. The Pirates are not one of those teams. They're going to be a punching bag for the rest of them. They had an atrocious second half, 25-48. and 48, Did nothing to improve a roster that was in the bottom third of both uh, run scored and ERA, so I like under for the Pirates. 
Yeah, I like that. I knew you were going over Houston. I, I knew that was coming. All right, so for our that. listeners, I think they want to know, uh, as as a credentialed handicapper on your level, uh, Israel Adesanya minus 275, Yoel Romero plus 235. Our two resident guys, Ken Flo and Ian Parker, they like Israel Adesanya to win this fight. How do you see the main event? Do you see any value at all on that Yoel Romero side? Um, I do. Uh, you know, in terms of who wins, I mean, no rush to bet against Adesanya. Uh, but the betting, from a betting value perspective, the value's on Romero. His only losses in the UFC came on the wrong end of some very close, razor-thin decisions. And who knows, a different set of judges in those fights, especially the Robert Whitaker ones, he might be wearing the strap today. So he's probably one of the best guys not wearing a belt today. However, my best bet for this fight is for the fight to go to decision at plus 175. We know Adesanya has never been finished in his MMA career. Romero only been finished once way back in 2011 in strike force. Neither man easy to put away. We've seen each eat a lot of big shots and stay on their fight. I think we get a similar fight to Adesanya versus Gastelum. So fight goes to the decision. Looks like a pretty good spot, especially at plus 175. Last time he gave one of those out. Dominic Reyes and John Jones, it came in. Joe Osborne on Twitter at JTFOZ. If you want more from him, uh, hit that oddshark.com on the daily. Joe, appreciate it, my man. Have a good week. Have a good workout, kid. I got to get one in. Jesus Christ. Absolutely, man. The pre-workout's kicking in right now. I can feel it. <laughs> All right, buddy. Have a good week. All right, guys. Thank I got to. I need, like, some workout enhancer, you know? It's like maybe a little caffeine. But yeah, you're a it. coffee guy, right? Do you drink coffee? Yeah, coffee. Not necessarily yeah. right before the workout, Ronda okay. Rousey style, but maybe that's what I need to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if you haven't done <laughs> well, right, that, well, eventually, yeah. eventually, probably that testosterone will probably be an option. Um, all right, if you haven't done so already, I uh, hope you will check out the show in video form. Finally launched a YouTube channel a few months ago. Please watch, subscribe at your leisure. Uh, and next Monday, we are right back with you. We'll recap UFC 248. Will Yoel Romero finally break through and bring American top team another undisputed UFC championship? Find out Saturday night on pay-per-view prelims prior on ESPN. Thank you to our guests, Ray Longo, Ian Parker, Joe Osborne. This has been a TJ DeSantis production. We shout out Mike Heck on the video side. Ken Flo, great stuff today from the lavender sweatshirt to some of your breakdown. You can be sure I'll be listening back to that in my room on Friday night as I prep for this big one. See you next Monday, kid. Have a good class. May RockyBJJ.com. Noon. Teaching at noon today. Is that yes, right sir. on a Monday? Yes, sir. On All my right. way right after this, yeah. dog. All right. Get out of here. We'll talk to you guys next Thanks, week. Dude. Until then, don't text and drive. Enjoy the fights. Yo fucking later. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo. 
Now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.